Welcome to the Diary of the First Gen Journey, where we hold space for first gens to share their rich and diverse experiences. We are your hosts, Angelise and Sarah, two first gens who understand that in sharing the journey, we uplift each other. Our mission is for you to gain that sense of self-discovery and freedom that you get when you release whatever is heavy on your mind onto a piece of paper. This diary belongs to you. So let's begin with your journey. Uno, dos, Dear First Gens, welcome back to the Diary of the First Gen Journey. This season, we're highlighting stories of first-generation college students at different stages of their college journeys. Today, we're talking to Nicholas Marshall, who is a first-generation college student at New Jersey Institute of Technology, also known as NJIT. He's pursuing a degree in architecture, enrolled in the first semester of his freshman year. Over this summer, I had the honor of teaching humanities for the EOF program at NGIT, where Nick was one of my students. So Sarah, please help me welcome Nick. Welcome to the diary, Nick. Thank you. Welcome, Nick. I'm so happy to have you here with us. Welcome to Diary of the First Gen Journey. We want you to think of this as your personal diary. You've just turned to a crisp new page. You're reflecting on your first gen identity. Walk us through your journey thus far as you would write in your diary. I know we go deep right in. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, hopefully it's, you know, far from over. Um, just beginning. Uh, as it's my first semester. I haven't really gotten much of, you know, the college experience, but I have an idea of it now. Um, where to start? Uh, throughout throughout my childhood, it's kind of changed a lot. My idea of like this identity of being a college student, um, it was always kind of stressed in my family that college was the route for me. And I agree with them. Um, I'm sure things would have been, uh, Sorry, I'm sure things would have been accepted by my, my family if I didn't choose college, but it was always stressed that that would probably be the best route for me. Um, <clears throat> my family, being, being a first-gen student, my family didn't go to like university or get a, a four-year degree or anything like that. So I was lucky enough to always know since I was really young to know what I wanted to go into and um, everything just kind of fell into place the last couple of years. Awesome. Um, so... Tell us a little bit more about uh, this idea of your family making sure that you understood the value of an education, even though they didn't have that opportunity. So why was it so important for them, for you to have access to that opportunity since they didn't get to? Yeah, definitely. So I think um, I've talked about this a lot with them. Like they're kind of part of the gen- Generation X. So right before that big stunt in in uh, pop culture where kind of college became almost a mandatory thing for a lot of millennials and stuff like that. So not like they missed the boat, but it was never really stressed to them. Like it was to me, uh, that it was, you know, beneficial for 
career and, and future goals. Um, and I've always wanted to, like I said before, I've always wanted to do architecture. I've always wanted to do something like this. And there's no way you can do it without, you know, pursuing it yourself um, in a university or, or college setting. But I was lucky to have those figures that even though they didn't go to college, they knew the importance of getting me in there and and having me succeed at a level to get into college in the first place. I'm lucky to be going to NJIT. Um, yeah, uh, just honestly, just having them in my corner the whole way, uh, backing me on any decision I tried to try to do, obviously steering me in the right direction at every turn, but never influencing me to go a different way, if that makes sense. That's great. And I think that that story kind of resonates with, with all of us, right? We have that, that um, shared experience as being a first gen. Um, but now you're in your first semester of college, right? It's a huge step. You're the first in your family. Can you tell us a little bit about how it's going so far? And have you experienced maybe any first gen pressure in this first semester? And you can even go back into the EOP pro summer program, right? Angelisa and I, and you know that very well. That was a, a pretty intense time. Can you tell us a little bit about what that first gen pressure has looked like so far? Well, EOP definitely helped. Uh, I can say that right now. Going into my first semester, I kind of walked in knowing things were going to be more difficult than high school, but it was it's much easier than EOP. Um, with I, I've always been good with uh, being independent, scheduling myself. My parents were always there for me, like I said, but it was mostly just me that would always, uh, you know, I, I had my eyes on school the whole way. I'm, I'm, I'm good with time management and everything like that. But the pressures, as for the pressures, again, it's just kind of that idea of, of wanting to be that person in my family, of being the first one to, to actually go through and complete it and, and be successful like my parents want me to be. But it's not even just about them at that point. It's about me as well. Uh, I, I can't really see myself in a position where I'm not uh, educated by a, a higher university, a college, anything like that, because of what I want to do. Um, but just, yeah, family, because like I said, they support me um, anyway. Obviously, they want me to go to college, so that's beneficial. But societally, uh, just the idea of not having people that know what I'm going through at that point. Uh, I'm getting a lot of my, my advice and stress out from talking to advisors and people like that, because uh, like my family and stuff, they don't really understand the, the difference. So I think it's interesting that you mentioned, um, you said that it's not so much just about them, it's about you as well. And I know you've only, you know, been a part of the college journey for a short amount of time, but how are you managing those pressures so far? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty active in campus, so it's it's a lot sometimes, but it's also I'm, I've always been the type of person that can't really have downtime, if that makes sense. I've, I I need to always be doing something, even leading up half an hour before this podcast. Well, like a just, true first gen. Well, I was just sitting here twiddling my thumbs. For, Recovering for, overachievers over here. Angelise and I love to talk about that. It's a very yeah. common you're, first you know, gen team. You're an overachiever you, in the making. You know, we try to be humble. We try to be humble. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm a part of the student senate. So that group there has always been really good or has been really good to me in the past semester. Uh, there's people there that I see as my mentors. There's people there that I see as my friends. 
and the people that are there with me, I, I honestly don't think I could do it without them. Um, and my architecture studio, architecture is a very heavy major with work, but the studio that I have is great. And the critic that I have is awesome. He's the same critic that I got in the EOP program, which I'm very lucky to have. Um, just I'm, I'm in it because I have that support system, not only in myself, but with the other people that I've met along the way. EOP was also great with having me meet 150 people before I came into the school. So I could come <laughs> in and, and, and have these friends and have these relationships already. Even with professors like Angelise, I, I'm, I'm much better equipped to just come in and walk right into college and just feel at home already because I've been here. Yeah, can we talk a little bit more about the EOF, EOP program, right? I know, Angelise, you have a lot of experience working with, uh, you know, the, those programs at multiple schools, but I think it's so important to highlight that, right, to, sh to t uh, show students that there's programs like that out there. Uh, so if you're not part of, you know, the Education Opportunity Fund or Education Opportunity Program in your schools, it's very important to see if you can get involved in one way or another, um, there are advisors, right? Like Nick, you said, you're very connected to to people in that program. I just wanted to put a plug because I went, you know, my entire college journey without even knowing that that program existed. And that could have been something that, you know, was very beneficial for me. Uh, so now every time, every chance I get, I like to, to put in a plug for those programs because they are truly there to really support students and help them in that transition, right? That that uh, EOP summer program was very intense, but it's there for a reason, right? It's to help, you know, first-gen high school students get better acquainted and prepared for, for college. So I just think it's important for us to, to recognize those programs that are out there. Yeah, and just for clarification, uh, you are admitted to a university through this program. So it's something that you should learn about if you're listening in or if you have uh, children who are potentially going to college or nieces and nephews who are in, ready for the college journey. You want to take advantage before getting into school because there are prerequisites to get into the EOP, EOF programs. However, they are such a wonderful familia, family, that even though you might not get into those programs because of the prerequisites, if you're a first-gen student who needs these services, they will take you under their wing and they will also point you in the direction of different uh, resources on campus. So when I was, I was an EOF student at Drew University, we actually called it uh, EOS, so Educational Opportunity Scholars. We just love to change the names. <laughs> it depends on the university, I guess. And um, there were students like you, Sarah, who didn't know about the program and didn't get into the university through that program. But then as they were going through the journey, realized I, I am first gen and I don't have access to these resources. And the counselors in the program either found a way to get them into the program later on um, and had them start their their the, had them do the EOF program the the second summer. Uh, these were like very special circumstances, but they would find a way to help students that were really in need, especially if they met um, certain criteria, or they would help them with other resources on campus. Um, so if you're a college student who is a first gen who uh, needs some of these resources, but you didn't get in through one of these programs, please know that you can reach out to them and they will help you connect to other resources on campus. But back to you, Nick. Yeah, tell us a little bit more about what was your EOP experience like and how did it 
prepare you for the college journey? Yeah, so EOP, EOF, EOS, whatever, EO, whatever letter you want to put after it. Uh, it's it's a program in a lot of schools. I actually didn't know this. I was unaware of the EOP program until I got to NJIT orientation and I learned about it. Thankfully, I just wandered across their booth. If if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be in that position. But um, it's it's a program where if you're a first gen student, if you're financially, um, if you fall in the right financial bracket. Basically, you can go through this like almost summer boot camp program. And the way NJITs works is you go up for four days uh, or five days because you get there uh, Sunday night and then you go home Thursday night. And the schedule was very intense. It was very rigorous, but it is completely worth it. So I'll I'll start. I I can break down a little bit of the specifics. Yeah, please. Definitely. Okay, so when when you would get there on Sunday night, um, you know, you go to sleep quiet hours were 12 a.m. That's when we always hunkered down. All the lights went out and room checks were done. Um, During this time, you could not have any cell phones. You could not have any TVs, no computers, no electronics at all. Uh, There were even points where some of our fictional books were taken because some kids were uh, taking a little bit more, uh, a little bit too much attention, putting a little bit too much attention on things that were tangible to our school at that point. So there was, there was entertainment that was, it was virtually not allowed in the dorms. And when you, when you think about the schedule, it makes sense. So we would go to sleep at 12 AM, wake up at 6 AM. And then we would go to breakfast, a little communication before classes. Then we go to classes for, man, uh, what, four hours until lunch. And then after that, we go to class for like another four or five hours and then dinner. After that, there was mandatory tutoring for however many hours were left in the day until 12 AM. So I guess around seven, we had seven hours of mandatory tutoring between the three classes that we were taking or three or four classes that we were taking. Um, me as an architecture student, I had an archi- uh, architecture studio class, which was great. Um, very stressful, but also great. Uh, we had English class where I, ha- I had Angelis as my professor, study skills and math. Um, and in these in, in this program, there's 150 people in ours. Um, everyone was split up based on like a color group, just an organization system based on what major you were, how you were placed in an, uh, a placement exam. And through this group, I have met so many great people that I still talk to. Obviously, still talk to isn't very heavily stressed because it's only been a couple months, but I, I still see these people around campus and I say hi and, you know, all that. We, we catch up all the time. Um, it's really, it was, a, it, was, it was a five-week program, but you really come out thinking, like you feel like they're your family because you've lived with them five days a week for five weeks and everything you did was for them. Everything you did was with them. Um, and even with the program, like it didn't really matter what your grades were coming out of it. It was just the experience of going through it and having that that rigorous schedule so it could set you up for a, a, a good college experience. With that being said, um, the grades were always great because of how much tutoring hours we had and everything like that. I haven't had I haven't heard one person you know, fail the program or get a bad grade in any class, but <clears throat> just having those those mandatory tutoring sessions and everything, all that time spent with other people, you can really see how friendships and, and bonds start to be built together. And even with uh, teachers and professors and stuff, that kind of that same thing happens. Yeah, and I loved what you said earlier about uh, leaning into some of your other peers and EOP is an example of that, but maybe talk a little bit more about since you come from a family like many of us, uh, first gens, 
who don't really understand what the college experience is like, sometimes it's so much easier to go talk to your friends who are there with you and understand what it's like navigating this on your own. So how is that helpful to you? How, what kind of advice do you all give to each other? How do you help each other in the journey? It's something that I say to everyone is like, it's just like high school. It's nothing like high school at all. So studying, you got to do a lot more studying here, right? And we all have designated class times. We have to be there. Uh, NJIT isn't one of those schools where you can't just, where you can just skip out on lectures. It's not possible here. Man, uh, like attendance is mandatory for all my classes, but um, just you have to have that power over yourself. And a lot of people don't have that in high school. A lot of people just kind of go through the motions and do whatever they feel like they have to do. But you really have to have that power over yourself living, especially if you're living here, if you're dorming, um, being able to get up every every morning whenever you have a class, especially in your first semester because you can't pick your schedule. So I know some people with five 830 classes. It's pretty rough. Oh, uh, just, brutal. <laughs> yeah, just having to, having to balance um, being able to wake yourself up in the morning and then go through all the days and not get tired and go to your dorm and skip out on a class and take a nap break, you know, just whatever, whatever you have to do for yourself to kind of push yourself in the right direction here. Um, but yeah, everything is, everything is just like high school in, in, in the sense that you still have to go to these classes and these classes are blocked out for a certain time and it's still on you to kind of talk to your professors and your teachers and everything like that. But in, in, in a different respect, much personal, it's much more personal with uh, having to, you have a lot more responsibilities. Sorry. You have a lot more responsibilities here. Um, and I, I kind of learned that throughout high school. So I came in on a good standing, especially in EOP too. Um, but just being able to stress the importance of discipline and self-discipline to my peers and having them stress it back to me in different ways. A lot of them were athletes. So they kind of had a, a different aspect of discipline than I did. Um, we learned a lot from each other. That's great. And, and, you know, the, I'm a social worker. So the social worker in me, right, especially, you know, thinking about what I wish I knew as a student, it really wants to ask you, what do you do to take care of yourself? Because I know you're so in, involved in school and you have your classes and it's intense, maybe not as intense as the summer, um, but you're still doing a lot. Is there anything that you do to particularly care for yourself? I mean, honestly, as I said before, I, I, I'm a workaholic. Um, I kind of don't, I, I, when, when I'm taking time off for myself, it's usually in a crowd of people, uh, not necessarily a crowd, but a group of people that I, I enjoy being around. Um, a lot of my free time goes towards just sitting in the Senate office sometimes and seeing who comes in so I can talk to them, you know, seeing who wants to sit down and have a conversation or just even being in their company while doing some extra work that I have to get done. Um, or when I do have work for uh, architecture, I'll go to the architecture studio and I'll sit down and I'll do some work. I'll listen to music. That's something that I've gotten really into recently is just listening to music in the background of whatever I'm doing. Um, it's a very big college thing. I think just walking to classes, you know, doing work, just listening to music in the background. I mean, there's, there's music for every different feeling that you're going through. So whether you want to lean into a certain feeling or manipulate yourself to being uh, in, in a different one, I mean, the the main priority I think I would stress to people is just have have some sort of tangibility to your your 
health, not just mentally, like physical health. Um, working out is great, but if, if you don't have time to do that, just like making sure you're eating correctly, making sure you're sleeping at least, you know, at least six hours at night. Uh, yeah, I honestly just for me, I, I take a lot of my stress out by just socially um, being involved with people that I'm comfortable around meeting new people and, and kind of building those relationships. Thank you for sharing. And that's tied your mental health and your physical health are tied. So you are working on both of them, which is great. And music is awesome, especially, you know, for first gens and, and Angelisa and I, you know, we we come from a, a Cuban, big Cuban families that love, you know, to dance and we love to listen to music. So I think we can relate to that as well. So that's definitely self-care. So I'm happy to hear you're doing that. Uh, it's funny though, that you, part of how you sort of take care of yourself is also by taking care of others. So you talked about serving um, on, on the Senate, uh, which is a really common theme, especially around the first gen identity. I think that when you're the first and you're sort of trailblazing through these milestones in life, you so you almost feel this sense of responsibility to pay it forward to others, which leads me to my, my next question. Um, Nick, I remember over the summer, you wrote this really beautiful essay about your family. And without getting into the details of that, you know, as first gens, we know our families have made so many sacrifices for us to have access and opportunity. And so we feel that sense of responsibility to make them proud. We feel that sense of responsibility to help others along the journey. So tell us about your proudest moment or, you know, a milestone that you know so far that you've, it's made it worthwhile. Uh, it's made it worth uh, all of the, the sleepless nights and, you know, the challenging moments. So I wish I had a better answer for this because I don't necessarily think I've had that aha moment yet, but as an architecture student, I don't really go home much here, especially like on the weekends, I live about three hours away from my school. So I, I don't go home much. I don't really see my family much. Um, it was my sister's birthday last week. So I managed to get down Friday night for about two hours to see some of my family, just to, just to check in and everything. Uh, I had work due the next day or well, the next class, because uh, I get a lot of my work on Thursday nights from Architecture Studio. It's due Monday, Monday morning. So a lot of my weekends are taken up with, with those projects and everything. That's where a lot of my workload goes to, but just being able to prioritize family for once, uh, it's, it feels, it feels, uh, it feels like I can't really do that often, or it feels like I haven't been able to do that often, but just being able to go down there a Friday night and just see everyone. And, um, when I walk through the door, having, you know, some my sisters are very young. Just having their faces light up at, at me was very nice to see. So just having that experience of of walking through the door and, and people being happy to see me, it's, it sounds a little weird, but just knowing that, you know, I didn't just disappear from their, their minds while I'm up here. <laughs> that's beautiful thank you so much you know for sharing that and as Angeli said you know as first gens our families you know are everything to us so I think that that's could also be a part of maybe your self-care right because it seems like you got so much joy off of seeing joy on their faces 
um, even though it's hard being so far away. But I, I think that that's, you know, an amazing moment to be proud of. Um, and as we think about wrapping up, I, you know, you have shared such amazing advice and gems already. Um, but our mission here at The Diary is to pay it forward and make the journey a little bit easier for those, you know, who are in the same situation as you right now as first-gen students. What have you learned so far, you know, in your journey that you would like to share, you know, with other students? Like what specifically is that like number one advice that you can give to them? In a place like college, there's nothing more important than the people that you keep around you. And those yeah. people that you keep around you will have a big impact on everything you do here and everything you do in the future. Having a good support system around you and having a good group of friends that you know you can rely on and you know don't have a don't have trouble relying on you is probably one of the most fulfilling things you can experience here. I love that. And it's, it's so, so true. Uh, I think not just in college, but in general, uh, having a tribe that will support you along the journey is really important. Uh, so thank you so, so much for that, Nick. And before we let you go, please tell our listeners how they can support you and other first gen students. Man, uh, <laughs> I think for the general public and if, if there's anyone that, you know, has any control over, especially like school systems and stuff, just making it known that anyone can do it. It doesn't matter where they come from or who their family is or, you know, anything like that. Just anyone can make it and anyone can try to make it, if that makes sense. That's amazing advice. I think a lot of us sometimes are a little discouraged to pursue things because it's the first time that we're doing it, not just going to college for the first time. So I think that that's great advice in any point of our lives as first gens is, is to, you know, not have that fear and to try, you know, to take that step. And having those amazing people in our corner is definitely something that's very important. So I think that's great advice. Uh, Nick, it has been awesome having you here. I am always truly inspired uh, listening to first-gen students' stories. It takes me back to when I was a student. So best of luck on your career or on your college journey and your career journey. And I can't wait to see what's next for you. Thank you. Thanks, Nick. It was so great having you on here. And you already know I'm here for you for anything that you need. Uh, have so much fun the rest of the semester. And I can't wait to see what what happens next in your journey. Of course, pleasure to be here. Thank you guys. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Nick. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Diary of the First Gen Journey. Don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. If you haven't done so already, please rate this podcast and add a review. Share this podcast with your tribe. All of this helps us get recognized by amazing listeners like you. If you're a first-gen interested in coaching, especially if you're having a difficult time managing your mental health as you navigate college, or if you're a company or university looking for facilitators for workshops or speakers, please follow me at, at the First Gen Madrina. If you're a small business owner in need of HR consulting or performance and leadership coaching, or a university or organization seeking workshop facilitators or speakers on career topics, connect with Angelise at Propel on Purpose. As always, celebrating you along your college journey, Sarah and Angelise.